0: vibrations of love, and some say love is a verb, but much deeper than that, love is a vibration, it is that energy that stirs the soul and opens up the heart. vibrations of love call out to the divine that connects us with the beauty of life and the oneness of it all. I need not to say it with words although it is always nice to hear but greater still Feel it. Vibrations of love lift me higher, and I fill the empty spaces within the soul. It is the divine in its purest essence. It is me at the height of my being. I am vibrations love. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Ricky Cage, Grammy Award winner, and yours truly, Sister Jenna, doing the meditation on vibrations of love. Definitely an energy that we need now more than ever on our planet. In the United States of America, elections are underway, and everyone keeps talking about all the stuff that's going to happen, that has happened. I don't know um, there's definitely a factor that people are just not feeling well internally and when you're not feeling well internally and emotionally, it's very natural for you to begin to spill that out of you you know it just comes out of you 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 treat people in the the way that you're feeling and the, the sad part is that sometimes you blame people for the way that you're feeling in terms of imposing your expectations on them or sort of telling them, you know, who you think they are or what they are. And before you know it, it gets really, really ugly. Now, they basically say in life, you know, that by now we should have actually evolved. We should be evolved in a particular state and culture that has a lot of peace, that has a lot of um, understanding and qualities and love and, and power. And even though that is there, there's also an element of a great deal of stuff that's going on. I mean, just take a look at Venezuela, for example. Recently, the opposition leader, Leopoldi Lopez, he's just fled Venezuela and gone to Spain. He had vowed that he would never leave Venezuela, and he was actually making a difference. But the government in power is like, no, we don't want your voice. We don't want you to throw things around. We don't want to change things. And then people in their countries, in their areas are starving. There are people literally in a country that transports, I think, are they the third largest transporters of oil? Um, Please Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I I can't remember the numbers. But for a country with that much of an economy of oil and their people are, are struggling, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. And it was a country that was so rich, especially in the 50s, you know, or to the 80s. They were so rich with, with, with the oil. And now it's just not doing so well. It was once the fourth wealthiest nation per capita. And you look at it right now, it's not doing that well. Why? We're looking at issues that are happening in the United States of America. Over 500 children do not know where their parents are. Do you know why? Because the parents were deported back to their countries, and the powers that be didn't think about the well-being of the child. What I don't understand, everyone, is how can you know that a person has come over to our country for better opportunity? Nobody is going to leave their land, their country, their family behind to walk into a worse environment. So they come to the United States to work hard and to get an opportunity. They might have come with their children too, you know, of course with the thought that they won't do anything bad, it's America, it's America. They will look out for us. At least they'll detain us. And whatever is the, the consciousness, I can't say. I'm speculating, right? But if they're getting deported and they tell the officers, where's my son? Where's my daughter? How could they not send them back with them? I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. So what are we doing, world? Where are we on the inside? And... You and I can talk about this right now together over the air, but what am I really doing to make a change? What am I really doing to impact change? Uh, That's the big thing. You know, that's the big thing. And we have to keep really looking at what is it that you and I are actually physically doing to impact change. It can be as simple as, I mean, I'm a firm believer that change starts within. That if you transform the way you think and see yourself, you will definitely transform the situations in the world around you. That's the genesis. That's the first aspect of change. If I keep carrying on like I always have, but I keep saying I want there to be, you know, the the 500 kids in the U.S. to find their parents, the Venezuelan leadership to be more civil or whatever, or even the United States... I don't know what's happening in America, but I know that it's a change, and everything is good. There's so much good going on because of the changes. But, you know, if I'm not doing anything, but I'm just tweeting maybe, um, letting up my frustrations in a comment, and yet I'm also being angry at home, or I'm not helping out somebody that I love, and, and I'm not putting in my fair share that i'm also part of the problem i know you might not want to hear that but if we're really going to make a difference and really shift the pendulum you and i have to literally internally first shift and change and then secondly come to some sort of a physical action to perform to say i've made a difference over 60 million people in the United States, which is a population of a little bit shy over 300 million. Imagine the young ones under 18. I think that's a big number. Um, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but 60 million Americans have already voted, and Election Day isn't even here yet. Look at all of that. In the last cycle of our election, that means everybody stayed home because. What I kept hearing people say is I don't want to vote for two of the worst evils or, you know, I'm just going to, what is that? So they, stayed, so they stayed home and they didn't vote. Now everyone's coming out to vote and still nobody's sure what's going to happen. These next few days are going to be so, so delicate to maneuver. So how do we advance human rights and equality in our world? My next guest is Jay Rosenvig, the founding partner of Rosenvig and Company. He's an expert in designing, building, and attracting world-class teams. He consults to a variety of public and private companies, and prior to joining the search industry, Jay was in the field of law. He had earned two law degrees at McGill University and a degree in philosophy. That means Jay and I could stay up all night and talk. (laughs) <laughs> He's been immersed in global human rights and women's rights causes for well over two decades. He's an active board member of Irwin Cutler's Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights and has been internationally recognized by the annual Rosenweg Report on Equality, which he has published for the past 15 years. Jay invests in and advises several leading-edge businesses. He is an avid songwriter, having collaborated with well-known recording artists and written original music for each member of his family. Isn't that sweet? Today, I'm so privileged to welcome Jay Rosenweig to America Meditating Radio, someone I had the privilege to meet in Los Angeles in 2019 as they were filming John Legend and Tata Prince Love One Another. Jay, thank you for joining us. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, It's great to uh, be here, Sister Jenna. I'm so happy to be Mm. speaking with you.
0: Me too, me too. I know that you're a business consultant and a lawyer, right? And you founded a global talent a global strategy firm, but, you know, you're also known for just your humanitarian work and advocacy for human rights and equality. You've served on so many number of boards for organizations that are contributing uh, to causes that shape our world. So it's not too common to find a corporate executive who's so committed Mm -hmm. to social justice. But what I want to know is what really motivates you. And inspires your passion, especially in these areas. And I even understand that your mentor Erwin Kotler, had something to do with it. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. So just to uh, step back, I'm I'm Canadian uh, by background. I was born and raised in Montreal, and and uh, uh, my wonderful parents are um, uh, very important inspirations for me, who, who taught me to. Uh, to be kind and to give to others. Um, and I studied, as you had alluded to, at a university in, in Montreal called McGill, where I did a philosophy degree and two law degrees. And in the law school, I met um, a really important mentor, Erwin Kotler, who, who um, was a law professor at the law school. And he's a very well-known uh, international human rights lawyer who represented people like Nelson Mandela and Natan Sharansky, back in the day. And uh, he's really been a great source of inspiration. He went on to become Canada's attorney general and minister of justice, where he enacted all kinds of progressive laws and, and freed more people actually who were wrongfully convicted in one year more than any of the previous ministers combined. Um, he also inspired some of the work I do in terms of women's rights. While in parliament, he became the first Man on the women's women's caucus. Uh, He transformed the Supreme Court at the time to be the most gender representative in the world. Um, And if you fast forward to today, I'm an active uh, board member on, as you mentioned, his um, human rights organization called the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights, where we are representing the Nelson Mandelas of the world um, uh, today. Uh, and, And sadly, there are many all around the globe. We're also doing a lot of work in the area of women's rights and combating this trend towards global authoritarianism and combating racism and hate uh, wherever we can. So he, he absolutely has been a really great inspiration for a lot of the work that I do that you've mentioned.
0: And what has been like when you look at what's going on in the world today? A few years ago, Canada just went through quite an interesting upheaval with the Saudi government and where something was said, and then this person says, I remembered interviewing a very prolific journalist, and he was sharing with me that throughout his travels, one of the main reasons behind war um, was the fact that one leader criticized another leader and that was all they did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the people. Yes. It wasn't about the need. It wasn't about the economy. And that was enough yes. to have them say, I'm going to break something apart for you because you said this about me, that I'm going to do this mm-hmm. to you. The, the, the retaliation Th- that would take place.
2: Right. It's, it's that's so absolutely right. It's so petty, yeah. though.
0: It just mm-hmm. seems so petty. Well, you petty
2: alluded for, to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah, you alluded to it uh, uh, in the lead-in to our uh, to our call about the importance of internalizing and um, developing inner peace inside oneself before one is able to affect change and outer peace, if you will. Um, yeah. one, of our, uh, one, of, one of the Raul Wallenberg Center clients, Raif Badawi, is sadly sitting in prison um, for uh, exercising uh, what, what we would call freedom of, freedom of expression, speaking out against human rights violations and in favor of human rights. And, um, unfortunately, his sister eventually uh, spoke out, and, and, and she was imprisoned. And this was brought to the attention of our Foreign Affairs Minister, Christopher Whelan, at the time. And she tweeted, uh, she tweeted out um, asking for mercy uh, for the Badawis. And, um, unfortunately, out of that came uh, a reaction from the Saudi prince um, including uh, recalling um, the ambassador uh, from Canada and, and, uh, and, and, and requesting that our, that our ambassador go home and um, ask, uh, requesting that 100,000 Saudi students uh, be recalled uh, from Canada as well and, and, and all sorts of other things. And what um, I believe our prime minister had um, suggested was perhaps a mediation um, if, if the reaction was was so angry, uh, but the the reaction on the other side, I think, was more just simply saying, "No, we, you owe us apology, an apology for sticking your nose in our business," and yeah, that's um, not and not long after, and 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 really, no country in the world uh, truly stood up for Canada in 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 this rift, and perhaps that uh, provided some emboldenment to the Saudi government, and and as we saw tragically months later, um, Khashoggi um, uh, was was, was sadly murdered, Um, was sadly murdered the Washington Post uh, journalist. So there are real repercussions to these kinds of rifts, which really truly just begin with words. Um, So one needs to be super, super careful in how one communicates from a diplomatic point of view as well.
0: Yes, I think you know. Even though no one came to the aid of Canada, it's because of who yeah. it was, and everyone's mm-hmm. so focused on the money and the power versus the conscience right. of the soul, and that's a big, big issue that's happening globally. To the even the nicest of people, Jay, mm-hmm. the nicest of people Absolutely. have stayed have stayed silent because they need to stay in their jobs, or their jobs have given them a particular position. Um, just recently. There's a very, very famous rapper in the U.S. that have, has mm-hmm. just endorsed this current president. And basically his, his endorsement his endorsement was that, look, you know, if, if he looks out for the rich folks, I'm okay with that. And so what mm-hmm. his communication basically did for us is that really they're all just out for themselves. And there's just this mm-hmm. energy of self-serving everywhere you go in the world. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. happens when you reach a particular point? What happens when we reach a particular point where people stop having this consciousness of the we consciousness versus the I consciousness? Mm-hmm. What do you think
2: mm-hmm. will happen? Well, do you
0: think we should still be hopeful?
1: I, I, I'm, the eternal, I'm the eternal optimist. Um, in Canada, for example, there's, a, uh, there's an emphasis very often on collective rights. And I think the concept of collective rights is super important. We wear seatbelts um, to preserve collective rights, uh, the, the rights of each and every one of us uh, to safety. Um, uh, we wear masks for that same reason. And there seems to be sort of a dichotomy very often south of the border, this concept of you're violating my rights by forcing me
2: <laughs>
1: to, uh, to wear a mask. But all statistics show <laughs> that, if one simply wears a mask, you could save tens of thousands of lives so what about what about collective rights? so I think injecting a little bit more of an emphasis on on the rights of all of us the we versus the i um, we we could we could accomplish quite a bit. The other thing I would say is you know you mentioned the uh, the point that that a lot of people are are quiet um, out of fear for whatever other reason. Um, Ellie Wiesel once said, and I'm paraphrasing, that when one is neutral or, or, or neutrality, neutrality always means that one is taking the side against the victim. You're, you're never helping the victim when you're neutral in the, face of, in the face of injustice. The other thing I would say to those who are motivated by greed is that you need to see the bigger picture. Um, because everything is uh, is interrelated. If you're you're, um, looking at leadership that is unstable or or is perhaps ignoring health and and scientific facts, um, from a bigger picture point of view, when when destabilization happens, that's never good (laughs) for uh, the economy either. Um, So even those who are motivated materially uh, need, mm-hmm. need to think a little bit more deeply about um, speaking out against uh, issues that may cause destabilization because that's not going to help anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. What do you think is the stuck point in our humanity right now that we are moving more towards, you know, every man for himself mentality? What do you think is stuck in us? I don't feel it, and I know you don't feel it. But why right. is it that it seems like a very high number of us feel well you know, they're not doing it, so why should I do it? How come they I think, think that, like we did? I <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: it's uh that um the the human mind and heart is 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 sadly um quite fragile and manip and, 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 and prone to be manipulated. And particularly when when millions of people feel disenfranchised or are struggling uh, for whatever reason um, um, it's sometimes it, it, it's sometimes an opportunity for those who aspire for leadership to capitalize and to say things like, "Well, if you're struggling to find a job, maybe we shouldn't have more." Immigrants pouring into the country. Um, um, maybe we should counter this political correctness around uplifting others who um, who, who historically weren't taking the jobs that uh, that you're vying for, etc., etc. That there's a, we need leaders who can uplift and and communicate the kinds of things that we're talking about in terms of developing um, real inner peace and inner strength and. Looking at the bigger picture and who can truly inspire us. I think very often we find in society that there's a lack of that truly um, spiritual and uplifting kind of leadership, which I think that um, that many are, are 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 longing for, whether they realize it or not.
0: Beautiful. Well said. Uh, the pandemic is still happening. Have you been learning much mm-hmm. about yourself? <laughs>
1: Um, I mean, it's going on and on and on. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, like, um, uh, pre-pandemic, I had been on a plane quite a bit. I'd been doing a lot of travel. Um, Even my commute to work in downtown Toronto at times would take me 45 minutes to an hour, meaning I'd be commuting an hour and a half to two hours. Um, Very much enjoyed being in the hustle-bustle of downtown and at the office and whatnot, and I never really imagined being able to enjoy um, sitting at home um, and and working. And I've actually surprised myself. I've been hunkered down and trying to be a good citizen here in Toronto. I've developed a a little home office in my house, and uh, I haven't really left the house much at all for seven months. And surprisingly, I'm enjoying it very, very much. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's actually more efficient in many ways. I'm having more opportunities in between calls to exercise. I'm more physically fit than I've been in a very long time. I'm getting a lot more sleep. Um, My family is seeing me more than they ever have, uh, especially during the day in Thank goodness they don't seem to mind it. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of enjoying it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've learned uh, I've learned quite a bit about myself, and and I don't know if I necessarily want to go back to the way it was, because I see mm-hmm. so much benefit in uh, in the new routine that I've developed.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I know that you're deeply involved in the emerging tech space, and what do you see yes. as some of the you know, some of the most promising transformational technologies upon us?
1: Mm. Um, Yes, I'm most interested um, in in the intersection of profit and purpose and and truly making an impact through technology. And in that regard, I'm I'm advising and invested in uh, a number of really, really interesting businesses. One of them, for example, is called Full Cycle. It's a um, L.A.-based um, sort of a private equity firm, if you will, run by a beautiful individual named Ibrahim Al-Husseini, who's got an amazing story of his own. He's a true environmentalist, and we're, we're um, investing in businesses and major projects whose mission it is to reverse climate change. So one of the core investments so far is a, a business that turns um, waste into clean energy, um, so I find that very uplifting. I'm advising a business called Diversio, which is a, an art, it's an artificial intelligence and, and machine learning approach to understanding the gaps in attention to diversity in the workplace. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm helping as a strategic partner with the Hyperloop, which will be a new mode of transportation, which is environment, completely environmentally friendly. this thing. If and when it happens, we'll go the speed of sound, uh, which is like exponentially faster than any other previous mode of transportation. So, I mean, there's just so many things that uh, I'm involved in that I find extremely exciting. Um, I'm a, um, a venture partner in a fund out of New York called Clearstone Capital, and that that's a really interesting fund where we're investing in businesses whose mission it is to uplift those um, who have been historically blocked or disadvantaged when it comes to upward mobility. Um, And in in that regard, we're investing in mostly ed tech and educational technology and and financial technology and mobility technology businesses. So um, I'm very optimistic about the uh, future of our world because I just find that the younger generations um, are so purposeful and so interested in impact, and even as you mentioned, I am so heartened to see that 60 million Americans—it's—it's it's such a—it's such, uh, such an incredible number as compared to last go around—have um, already voted in the election, and the number of young people. Who are, who are getting out there and voting is way, way higher so far than it has. There's just so many campaigns out there to get the vote out and whatnot, which I'm involved in as well, even though I'm sitting here in Canada, um, that I'm really, really excited about the future.
0: And I'm glad to hear that And you know How can you not Keep up with America It's become like A reality television show Globally <laughs> And every, everybody everybody's just pulled You know What are they doing now You know What what did you hear latest? You know um, Women Every day I know Everywhere right <laughs> Women are a big yeah. conversation Especially in these these times, and you've co-founded right. Move the Dial, and it's a global movement designed mm-hmm. to advance women in technology.
2: Mm-hmm. Could you
0: tell our audience a little bit about that? What, what do they do?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, so there's a wonderful woman named Jody Kovitz, who I'd love to introduce you to. She's the founder of uh, Move the Dial. Um, my... Uh, our mayor uh, John Tory, who's a great guy, the mayor of Toronto um, about four years ago or so he, uh, he he decided to take a delegation of Torontonians to Israel on a tech mission um, to to compare uh, to compare sort of the uh, the strides that have been made here in Canada to the strides that have made in Uh, Israel and and see if we could work together etc and uh, so he took about 30 of us and Jody Kovitz was one of them and Jody at the time um, was running an organization of CEOs of tech companies who um, sort of came together periodically to compare notes and to commiserate and to compare sort of war stories and how they can help one another Um, but she was lamenting the fact that um, virtually every single person in the room at these meetings was a man, like every single person literally was, was male. And uh, she thought this thing really needs to change. And we saw some really inspiring um, uh, tech executives um, who actually were women, um, uh, women venture capitalists. And it inspired all of this inspired her. And I began talking to her about the work I'm doing advocating for women um, in the corporate world, and um, she said, you know, I need to move the dial for um, women in the tech space. So we came back to Toronto, um, uh, announced that um, we would have a get-together at one of the tech incubators here in Toronto called Mars. We expected to have like 40 people. Um, I believe like a 1,000 people showed up, including our mayor. And that kicks off this massive global movement to help advance women in the tech space. And uh, um, we've had a couple of global, um, uh, global uh, get-togethers and gatherings. And we have mentorship uh, programs. Um, really, one of the concepts is that uh, a lot of stories programs, so we've had like 80 stories programs uh, a year. Basically, having wow. very successful women in tech tell their stories of their struggles because the concept really is that you can't be what you can't see, mm-hmm. um, and right. the the repercussions have been absolutely um, tremendous. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and and my own report, the Rosenzweig report, uh, which I've been uh, doing as you mentioned for the last fifteen years, will will continue to truck along, and we'll. I, I have always committed to um, just putting out there the statistics and bringing in influencers to, um, to comment and to contribute to my report every year to amplify the discussion because the number of women in leadership roles is, in my view, way too small. And I've, I've uh, determined and committed to doing this report each and every year until hopefully one day I work my way out of a job.
0: <laughs> well, that's when yeah. you know you've been successful. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: That's so for that's sure. hope. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, um, some days when you're just sitting back, having a nice cup of tea, and mm-hmm. you're reflecting on your life, what are some of the most incredible moments that you can recall have emerged to kind of tell you, Jay, you're blessed. What are some of the things that emerge in your mind and? You just keep reminding yourself how blessed you are.
1: It's typically rooted in in uh, in family uh, in family member uh, family memories. Um, growing up with very loving, very loving uh, parents, um, and two uh, wonderful siblings, my brother and my sister, and um, and the gratefulness I have for all the friends I've had along the way and meeting. Um, just a wonderful, wonderful woman who, who um, I married um, over 25 years ago um, and the loving and supportive partner that she is and, and then my three children, all the memories of, uh, of my three children and, and the five of us this year have had an unbelievably mm-hmm. special year because of COVID. We're all living together and we've been spending more time with one another than ever um, uh, as you mentioned, I've written a song just to show my love for each and every member of my family. Uh, and and often I, I write these songs for special occasions instead of um, instead of the, uh, the the conventional speech. Um, mm-hmm. Presenting a song to to my son when he turned 13 at his bar mitzvah party um, is a, is a memory I'll, I'll never forget. And we've captured it and we have it on YouTube and. <laughs> um, the uh the memory of me presenting that song and, and, and all the tears in the audience um is something that will always stick with me. So really when I think of um what I consider my greatest uh, successes, um it, it it really is all rooted in being a father, husband and friend. It's
0: so beautiful, beautiful. Um, any particular projects that you're working on currently that you're really excited about?
1: Um, well, I'm 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 helping out um, and and have agreed to join the uh, advisory board of, of the Love One Another uh, project with mm-hmm. um, with Tay the Prince, which which came out of the song uh, Love One Another, where we were so blessed to where I was so blessed to meet you. Um, We're working on a project, um, again, in the music space called Hands Around the World with my great friend and partner, um, uh, Ken Cragen, and uh, his partner, Neil. Um, The idea is ultimately to have a billion people holding hands virtually around the world um, for the environment, Um, and that's begun with a song which we, we began recording in Los Angeles as you know um, mm. uh, in January pre-COVID um, so those are a couple of, uh, a couple of really nice uh, projects and we have a few other things on the go um, which we'll be excited to announce uh, shortly uh, but I, I really love the idea of marrying music um, with, with purpose and, and really trying to impact the world through music
0: I love that. You know, the other day Mm -hmm. I was in a meeting at my house, and there were some, you know, influencers. It's Washington, D.C., so I get to talk to a lot of people. And after a while, Mm -hmm. we were realizing, you know, the tensions and the pressures that emerge when you're in this very heavy-duty sort of a political jargon of life. And it's just, you know, like I wonder to myself, who would sign up to be a politician in these times?
2: There's just right. some joy
0: in that profession, and yet you <laughs> hold a lot of power. But the whole mm-hmm. area of the arts, music, drama, mm-hmm. poetry, art, painting, there's something about it, Jay, that's just opening not only me up more, but I can see that mm-hmm. perhaps after this very dark time of, just a lot of uncertainty we're going to be walking into maybe a kind of a modernized renaissance age where there will be a a unique form of art coming through us in in ways that perhaps we've never seen before.
1: I think so, and I hope so. Um, I think it was Winston Churchill who, when uh, it was proposed during the uh, difficult times of the war that... um, Arts be cut; um, that uh, economically they, uh, they they cut um, funding for the arts. Churchill's response was, "Well, then, <laughs> what are we fighting for in the first place?" Right. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of life. Um, I also think that, um, as and t- going back to tech a little bit, as artificial intelligence so as and as robotics and all, as the next wave of automation happens, um, the human mind will not be able to compete with machines. Um, and then there will be a point in time that the only differentiator between human and machine will be what's in our hearts. Um, and that translates into art. So I would actually encourage young people who are um, not sure what they want to do from an educational standpoint even, to gravitate towards the arts because I think that that uh, differentiator will be the most important thing, more important than ever, as we come out of all of this.
0: I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I believe that too. I'm even taking time to just play the drums, piano, a little bit of guitar here. And the it's just <laughs> loving it. I really do.
1: And I it really and do.
0: it soothes the soul. It truly soothes
2: it the soul. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've noticed I've yeah. noticed for myself that actually, Jay, as a result of allowing or channeling my energy to f- channel channeling my energy to focus a little bit on the arts. I've realized that something in me too is opening up even more. And I was looking Mm. at how when you do anything to do with music or singing or dance, it tells Mm. you to show me, show me completely what is in you. There's something Mm. that for me has been opening up and it's just been so endearing. I just have to say. That's
1: really interesting. So I have a good friend. His name is Scott Page. Um, he's a really beautiful, uh, human. He, um, He's one of the best saxophonists in the world. One of the best horn players in the world. He he sings as well and he plays guitar. He's just a brilliant musician. He was for many years the saxophonist for the for the band Pink Floyd. Um, He also was the saxophonist for um, Supertramp and Toto. Really top of the line saxophonist. And he said to he said to me something very interesting last year. He said there there comes a point in time when I'm performing that, um, when I know I'm in a zone, I don't even, I'm not even concentrating, I I get just Mm -hmm. coming out of me naturally. And he said, when I'm in that zone, to me, I'm, I'm the closest to God that I could possibly be. He says, I never, he says, I never feel closer to God as when, or as close to God as when I'm in that zone, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, play, you know, play, playing that, that saxophone solo or whatever it's really quite remarkable, and I understand, hey. I understand what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, you, you know, know, the other day we had a, a WNBA Hall of Famer here, Valerie Still, and she mm-hmm. came over, she spent the night, and the next day I just told Val, you can't have us here and don't teach us how to play basketball. So she took us outside, <laughs> and, you know, we happened to have had this this. This net in the, around the house for all the years I've been here. I've been here for 14 years. I've never, ever even saw that net even existed. And <laughs> when she took us, so when she took us out, I just channeled Kobe. And I tell you, I was amazing. <laughs> I was, I was getting that ball into that net. I was like, look at that. I could think. That's amazing. Somebody, yeah. somebody who is good at what they do. And I could mm. feel as if I was pulling that energy out of me. So imagine when someone <laughs> is singing, singing, or playing the saxophone or the drums, and they've just right. let themselves go. And there must have been someone that inspired them, perhaps to have picked mm. up in that instrument. That sometimes I oh, think sure. God or whoever they're, you know, they're channeling. It's been amazing. Yes, so God so that Scott's that actually
1: mm-hmm. um, was was a great uh, horn player himself. I don't know if you remember the uh, Lawrence Welk show, but he he uh, yeah. he uh, his father was the uh, conductor of the horn section of the Lawrence Welk show, and Scott himself played on the Lawrence Welk show with his dad when he was a little kid. Uh, there's actually <laughs> great footage of that. Yeah.
0: No, no greater yeah. inspiration than your father. So listen, as exactly. we get to a close of yeah. our lovely chit chat. Um, leave us with some, uh, well, let me quiz you beautifully. It's a sweet quiz. And I'm going to, to mention <laughs> one, I'm going to mention just one word. And I want Jay to tell me what he thinks it means to him. Ready?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, okay.
0: go ahead. All right. Soul. Peace. God. Power. Humanity. Justice. Fear.
1: Strength. Hmm. Love. Strength.
0: with honors. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) I don't know if it was supposed to be one word, but
2: but that's just what came to mind. (laughs) That was
0: perfect. Any any final thoughts that you would like to leave with our audience today? Yes, I I would like to
1: close uh, with a similar notion that you opened with, and and that is that uh, it's important to take a take a breath and to um, look deep inside of oneself and to um, to let go of um, any of the ne- negativity that that um, is influencing you from the outside and 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 understand that um, there's always hope for a greater tomorrow and mm-hmm. as one meditates on. Being peaceful inside, um, one can then take the next step towards action to improve and to repair our world um, and to make it better for all of us, for for all of our brothers and sisters in the
2: world.
0: Mm, It was very beautiful. Jay, thank you so much for joining us on America Meditating Radio, and really wishing you from the bottom of our hearts all the continued success and the best. You definitely deserve every bit of it. I think so.
1: <laughs> thank, thank you very, very much, and same to you. And uh, it, it's been a pleasure having this conversation.
0: Thank you, thank you for taking the time. We'll speak. All the to best.
1: You. Take care. Mm. Bye bye. Bye
0: bye. That was Jay Rosenvig, everyone, the founder and partner of Rosenvig and Company, and wonderful guy, huh? Just really speaks from a, a pure place. There's something about Canadians. I just have to tell you there's just something about them Canadians. There's a, there's just a beauty about them. There's a beauty about the space in which they live in. And I, I really, I really appreciate them very much. Well, listen, if you've enjoyed our conversation, feel free to Listen to it over and over again, either on Blog Talk Radio, but check us out on Spotify, iHeart, and iTunes as well to be updated. And remember, as I always say, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's do that, and let's feel that we're a little bit more blessed than we can be. You know, I mean, we are really actually, we're blessed. Let's just put it that way. Consider yourselves blessed. Right? Here's Karen Drucker. I'm so blessed. Take care. I
2: am so blessed. I am so blessed. I am so grateful for all that I